Hello, and welcome to the Am I a Bad Mom podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christy Ritz-King. I'm a trauma therapist and a maternal mental health specialist, and perhaps most importantly, a mom of three. I've met many incredible women over the years in the various careers that I've had, and seemingly no matter where they are along their motherhood journey, they are powerful, they are brave, they are incredibly successful in their lives, and no matter what, they all ask the same question at least one time. And that question is, am I a bad mom because fill in the blank? (laughs) There are any number of blanks to fill in there. And this podcast aims to provide you all the reasons why the answer to that question is unequivocally no. Every single time the answer is no, you are not a bad mom. And we're here to show you today exactly why. So welcome. We can't wait to help you feel better about the parent that you are. Welcome to this episode of Am I a Bad Mom podcast. Sorry, that caught me by surprise. I didn't know I was recording. So here we are. Today, we're going to talk about one part of what I call the three R's of personal safety or self-care, which is the three R's are rituals, routines, and relationships. We're going to get to that at another time. In this episode, we're going to talk about time management and chaos management, general chaos management, because it's the beginning of a new year. We're probably all sort of rethinking and relooking at things. We're in a time of transition just on the calendar. And so it's sometimes that gives us a breath to just kind of look around and be like, what's working, what's not. So we're going to talk about time management because of that. Or if you're not in a time of transition where you're looking around going, what's working, what's not, you might just be in a place where you're going, nothing's working. I feel overwhelmed. How do I get out of this? Either way, we're here for you. And while this is sort of geared toward homes with children in it, my home has a lot less children in it and I still do a lot of these things and they're personally helpful as well. So let me just start with a little general thing about what I feel like with routines and then I'm gonna give you some reasons and then I'm gonna give you some tangible tools that I use. But as always, I wanna warn everybody that these are things that work for me. They might not work for you, but it's a general idea and hopefully you can take what you want and leave the rest behind. I will get into a later episode about why routines are important for safety. Today seemed a good time to talk about taming the chaos because that's the time of this. And as often happens when I'm doing research for some of these episodes, I think (laughs) I come across something and I think to myself, huh, why didn't I write that book? Why didn't I give that TED talk? Why didn't I whatever? Because that's the stuff I'm already doing in my house, or that's the stuff I've been doing for 30 years, or that's the stuff I talk about every day in my office. And this is not to toot my own horn. This is just to tell you, I think there are some kind of universal truths (laughs) to chaos management. And I think that you're probably doing more than you think you are. And maybe you should write a book about it because somebody else is out there writing the exact same book. I'm sure of it. And the one I'm currently talking about is a book called Fair Play, which Eve, I think Rodsky is the author of that. There's also a documentary that's fantastic. She has a card set, I think, too, that has a way of like getting together. And it's really meant for couples to provide some equity in how the house is run. And that's not what we're talking about today. I'm talking about our part of it, my part of it, what my part of it has been up to now and how I've been able to design it in such a way that I get some equity. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that everything, I think everything runs perfectly fairly in my house, but it's pretty close. And it was pretty close to what 
Ms. Rodsky said in her book should be happening was already happening. Let's talk about that <laughs> with the caveat that it works for us. I'm not sure it's going to work for everybody, but so obviously if you've spent any time around this podcast, you know that my very first thing that I start with almost every single time is some sort of self-awareness or tuning in process that has not changed for taming the chaos. So my suggestion is look around and well, yes, look around and notice what isn't working or more importantly, what you're feeling most overwhelmed by. So don't look outside of your home first for tips on how to make things run smoother or how to manage time or how to manage routines or any of those things. You will eventually look outside, but the very first place you need to look is inside your home and inside your own heart to decide what is important to me, what is most overwhelming to me, and what can I do to change it? So how is your nervous system most served? I'll give you a little example. When I had small children, probably I probably got to my wits end when the little one was walking. So let's say 18 months, three, five, right? No, 18 months would be eh, close to three. They're two years apart. <laughs> so let's, you know, roughly one, three, and five. What I needed, what I was feeling the most was buried. I was feeling buried under the stuff of having three children under five and trying to work and having a husband who works a lot. And at that point, we just had a cat. We only had one pet, but still I was in charge of a pet too. So there was no equity as far as what was going on in the home at that point. There was none. He'll come on this podcast and agree with me. It's not like I'm throwing him under the bus. <laughs> there was no equity in caring for the children. There was no equity in home chores at that point. But I needed to do something because I was not functioning well at all. So I could have just said, and I had done this at points, I could have just been like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know it. I don't know what I need. I need to tame the chaos. I need to get organization. I need to do whatever. I could have gone to Pinterest. I could have gone to you know, Martha Stewart Living Magazine, which is more in time with when my kids were old and said, oh, great, here's an amazing organizational structure that I can put up in my foyer. Oh, it's only going to cost me $2,500. And it's going to need a handyman. And it's going to and here's the list of the 10 things I need to do in order to get that organization. I could have done that. And probably what would happen is a I wouldn't have done that because I didn't have $2,500. But also B, I could never have, I wouldn't have felt any better. Because Martha Stewart's organizational system was not going to help me feel less overwhelmed. So what I did do was I thought at the bare minimum, if I can walk in my front door and not feel like I'm in the middle of a garbage dump, <laughs> then I'm going to feel better about my life. At that point, we were living in a duplex home. And so there was no foyer. It was a front door that opened basically into our living room. And then there was a stairway right in front of us to go up to the bedrooms. I had to think for a second. There was no space when you walked in. That said, we had a little like, I don't know, like a the porch had a cover on it and there was two doors. So there was two doors between your front door into the that opened right into the house into the living room. And then there was like a little tiny almost hallway and then a space with another door. I did not have room for Martha Stewart's beautiful organizational system. I didn't have room for all those Pottery Barn lockers that you used to, that at least I used to see the like wooden lockers with all the kids' perfect Pottery Barn coats and perfect Pottery Barn backpacks and all of that stuff. I didn't have room for any of that. 
If you do, bless you. That's an amazing opportunity that you will have. And we'll get to how you make that actually work in your house in a second. But I didn't have that. But what I did have was three pairs of shoes, three coats, three backpacks, because they were all in some sort of daycare backpack, three lunch boxes, three winter coats, three fall coats, three hats, <laughs> like crap. And that's not including mine and my husband's stuff. So here's what I did. I went to probably Target at the time. I don't know where, probably Walmart, actually. I, Target was like too rich for my blood at that point. So I went, and I'm, I'm not saying that dismissively, like I went to the cheapest place possible and I found three giant, and if you can, you can't see me because you're listening, but if you're watching YouTube, you see me <laughs> making these giant, like probably two feet around wicker baskets. I got three of them. I even found two that had the little chalkboards like you would see on a Martha Stewart catalog. And I bought chalk that lasted for about six minutes before I realized I don't have time to keep up with this. <laughs> I can't afford the white paint markers that you're supposed to use. Whatever. I digress. I bought three giant baskets. Each kid had a basket. All their crap went in the baskets when we walked in the front door. I walked in my front door. I saw three beautiful wicker baskets. This five-year-old and the three-year-old learned to put their own stuff in those baskets. And those baskets evolved with us for each house and through the children's lives until they were about, one of them was out of the house. I think I had three baskets in my later, in my other house, in my foyer for, which was also not huge, but it was enough for three baskets. I'm pretty sure I had them in my house until we redid the floors when they were 2018 and 16. So that'll tell you. And like handle was broken, all of it. <laughs> I did not change those baskets. I did not get fancier. I didn't do anything. We had one for each kid and all their junk. And then as they grew, I actually added a couple more baskets and it became like, here's where the boots go. Here's where the sports equipment goes. Here's where the whatever goes. They kept their backpacks in their room. This is way more detail than you need to know about my foyer. I'm telling you this story as an entry into, I figured out what was going to work for me in that moment when I was up to my eyeballs in chaos and mess and clutter. I can't get rid of the kids. <laughs> I can't get rid of their clutter because that was originally the solution for me was like, I just wish I didn't have all these damn kids, but I couldn't do that. So how am I going to make my life feel less cluttered? Well, I'm going to take care of this foyer. I'm going to take care of this entryway. I have $30. I'm going to buy three baskets for $10 a piece. I'm not going to buy fancy hooks. I'm not going to buy fancy white cabinets. I'm not going to put up. If you can do that, Either because your budget allows or because you're just one of those people. I have a friend who her whole house looked like it was done by Martha Stewart. And I bet you she paid like maybe a hundred bucks for all of it because she's just the craftiest, most amazing, incredible human being you'll ever meet. If you have that in your back pocket, go for it. But if you are like me, limited in creative expression <laughs> and at that point, limited in funds, what is the bare minimum you need to feel better in that space? So that's space management. That's chaos in your space. We're not talking about time yet because we'll get to that in a second. But awareness permeates both. What does your space need to look like? And what does your time need to look like in order to feel most safe and most in control and in line with how good feels to you? With reality, I shouldn't say with limitations, but with reality, I had three children under five. I was never going to feel fully peaceful. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. But I could feel more peaceful. I could feel more in control. I could feel less chaotic. And this was one way to do it within my budget. 
But I wouldn't have been able to know that if I had looked outside instead of inside for all of that insight. There's a reason why they call it that. So first thing for you is awareness of what you need around you and what you need your day to look like in order to feel safe. You need to know your own self so that you, and you need to know what makes you feel calm. Again, I was never going to have true peace, <laughs> but how would I feel calmer while walking into that door, not to a disaster was calmer. Now for a lot of other people, and this is why I'd say there's no right way to do it. You have to know your own self for that reason, too. For a lot of other people, those three baskets would not have been enough. You know, that was still chaos. It was controlled, but it was chaos. They just threw things in the basket. What was important to me was that I could, <laughs> I had a walking path and that the kids, that it was something that the kids could be involved in as well. And again, the one, the 18 month old wasn't doing much, although he was walking. So I was making sure, hey, don't just drop your coat. Like, here's where it goes. And I actually do think we had like little command hooks above each of the baskets. So they had a place to hang their coat and they had a place to dump their stuff. So then here's part two of this. I'm aware of what I need from a space perspective, but I'm also aware of what I want to be teaching. And I don't want to do this myself. I don't want a life where I'm constantly picking up after them. I'm constantly chasing after them and I'm constantly doing for them. Even at 18 months, I knew that I wanted him involved in this somehow. So part of the other reason I bought those three big baskets wasn't just because they were cheap and they looked cute. It was, okay, this is something that an 18 month old, a three year old and a five year old can do. They can dump stuff. This basket has a big old opening. They can put their stuff in it. And I knew that. And that was part of my mission was to make sure I wasn't in this by myself. I told you already, there was no equity in the home as far as child care and keeping care of the house at that point. Don't worry, I'm not throwing him under the bus forever. We had to get there. But in those days, it was not. I was in charge of it all. And so I wanted them involved too. I was not going to be somebody who ran around at picking up after them, not only because I didn't want to be that person, but I know myself and I just would have let it get messy again. <laughs> I didn't have the like stamina to be picking up after them at all times. So we had these three big baskets and then I helped them learn the routine of you come in, you take off your coat, you hang it on this hook, you put your backpack in here. If you have a lunch, you take your lunchbox out, you take the stuff to the kitchen, you bring it back. To, actually, that's it in the kitchen. You bring your backpack back to the basket. Like if they left something in the middle of the floor, which nobody's perfect. Like this took a while for us to get to. If they left something in the middle of the floor, I, I could easily say to them, pick that up, bring it to your basket. It was accessible for them and it worked for me. So Without that awareness of who I am and what I needed, those other things wouldn't have fallen into place. And that's why it's so imperative that you start with that first part. Because if you put up a beautiful thing that you saw on Pinterest and then nobody can access it or nobody can access it, sorry, or nobody can handle the stuff, you're still in charge of it all. It's still your chaos to manage. So being aware of, oh, what do I need? Maybe you're somebody who doesn't care. Maybe you're fine picking up after them and that's great too. So good. So you pick something that you need that looks pretty for you. So knowing who you are, knowing what you need for you to feel safe and secure and like the routine's going to work in your day is step one of all of this. And then as far as space management goes, what's your budget? What's the reality of the space? What can the kids be involved in? at this level, and then be prepared to sort of transition as they grow too. Again, I said my baskets had to 
be, be used differently when there were, you know, baseball gloves and hockey sticks and all that kind of stuff involved as well. So that's space. Okay. And we've only gotten to my foyer. <laughs> but yeah, obviously I took that same sense through the rest of my house. I needed to feel peaceful when I first walked in the door and I needed to feel peaceful in my kitchen. And so I designed things that way, designed, I'm putting that word in quotes for those of you not watching. I designed things that way, meaning I put things in place that we already had, or I moved things around that we already had to allow for that comfort and safety and routine for me that I needed in that moment. The rest of the house, I, I can't vouch for. <laughs> my bedroom, disaster. <laughs> but the foyer and the kitchen were clean and neat and not chaotic because that's where we spent 90% of our time. And so I needed to not feel overwhelmed all the time by there. Same thing though in the bedroom, I will say my bedroom was a mess. It was never fully a mess and it never is fully a mess because I have designed around myself. I've been very aware of what are my strengths? What am I good at? Like I'm not somebody, I'm pretty good at putting clothes away if it's easy to put clothes away. When I lived in a house where the closet was like not big enough for more than four shirts, I had a much more difficult time rehanging things after they were clean and all of that because it was a pain in the neck. Let's be honest, because the closet wasn't big enough. I didn't have a place for stuff. So I just then created a place for stuff so that I wouldn't have the pile of clothes on the back of the chair or the pile of clothes on the bed or whatever. Because outside, usually for me at least, I'm not going to blanket statement this, but for most people, I think it's true. <laughs> You're outside reflects how you feel on the inside or your outside causes you to feel a certain way on your inside. So it's good to sort of, you know, keep your space clear if you need that to feel safe. Okay. Time management. Same thing goes for time as space chaos, taming that time. Again, I think there's a couple universal truths and then the rest of it's sort of all up to you. But this management style might be for me the origin story of explicit parenting, because that awareness led me to know from early on, I wanted my kids involved in everything that I did from a time and space perspective, if it affected them. Obviously, they're not in charge of my work calendar. <laughs> and they weren't in charge of when I was working. But when we were home and when their space and time were part of what I was trying to corral and manage. I wanted them involved in it. So every system I set up, I not only explained it to them, I pulled them into it as well. And I had to learn what worked for me. Trust me. I don't even want to say if I had a dollar for it. If I had all the money back that I have spent on planners in the day, I could not be working for the rest of my life and I could retire just fine <laughs> because I have spent so much money looking outward for the system or the planner or the journal or the notebook that was going to help me be different really is I think what I was looking for, help me be a different person. <laughs> and so it wasn't until I had the awareness of like, who am I? What do I need? How do I need to do this? That I found the tools that actually work for me. So again, I'll tell you what I use, but I don't, you know, they might not work for you because you need to know your own awareness. Just like space, the same thing goes with time. So how you manage your time has to start usually with what do you want your days to look like? What are your strengths when it comes to time management? You can try to squeeze yourself into something that other people say you should be 
And it's just going to leave you frustrated and maybe more chaotic than you were when you started. So as far as time, it is the same as your space in the sense that you need to be aware of what you need to feel good. So you can't control everything and everybody, but you can manage your own needs and your own expectation with those in the environment around you. So for me, I needed from a space perspective to have that entryway free and clear. And I also knew I wanted, because I had my own awareness, I also knew I wanted the kids to be involved. I didn't want it to be my job alone to keep things clean. So I then went out and found a solution that fit both of those problems baskets that were easy and simple for kids to help with and also that corralled the stuff so that I didn't have to look at it all the time. Again, that might not work for you. That might not be enough for you. You might come in and be like, oh my God, I got to look at these baskets full of garbage every single time I come in. (laughs) You know, that's probably not a solution for you, but you need to start with that awareness of who you are. And the same thing goes for time. What do you need to feel safe and calm in the chaos of having other people in your life. Because on some level, having children or having even care, if even if you're a caregiver for an elderly parent, or you've got a job and your home, or you have a dog or you have whatever, life is a little bit chaotic. And so how do you manage that? How do you calmly step into and through the chaos? Only you can answer that from a particular perspective. I can give you some tips and tools and things that I use, but that may or may not work for you. And time is just like space and that you need to know, what do I need to do to feel calm here? So for me, and I will give you this example, don't (laughs) take it or leave it. Two things. One, I just needed to have written down or at least see where everybody was at any given time. And this happened, this didn't happen they were still young enough that I was in charge of like the driving back and forth. So in those early days, I had a Erin Condren, I'll link all the stuff in the show notes. And Erin Condren, if you guys know her as like that, she was like the original, I think like, I mean, besides like day runner, she was one of the original like scrapbooky type planner people. I mean, I feel like there's now a million of them. So she's probably like old school at this point. But anyway, she came out with, or she has a, like what I would call a desk pad size weekly planner sheet, physical sheet. You can rip them off. And this is what I did. You plan your week, you rip them off. I hang it in the kitchen. A lot of people have like actual cork boards. There was like a phase in the world, in the United States at least, where people were like redoing their kitchen and putting like chalkboard walls or like cork board walls or whiteboard walls in their kitchen, like as part of their kitchen. More power to you, but this is a much more temporary solution. We have a cork board in the kitchen and we hang this thing up every week. And every Sunday night I sit down and when they were little, it has a space for me to put food, (laughs) what meals. So these were the things I needed. I needed to know where everybody was. I needed to know what we were eating roughly. And I needed to know where I needed to be at any given time. So when they were little, I just filled in the week based on the calendar I already had from their schools or my work or whatever. And then I filled in the meals, even if it was like, chicken, like just something that kept my brain from having to think of it that day. Sunday night, I gave myself an hour. My husband took the kids. I wasn't in charge of them. I mean, as they got older, obviously they didn't, you know, I didn't need to be watching them at all times. I had this hour where I planned the week out. As they did get older, I would call them into my office and say, what do you have this week? Where are you after school? What sports? What this, what that? As they got even older, I'd say, are you working? When are you going to be home for dinner? When it, you know, all of the things that I needed to know from like a home-based perspective. 
And then I put it all on there. Was it color coded? No. Did I have a special marker for each kid? No. I think I probably started out all of those ways and none of them lasted. It was my handwriting on a nice little piece of paper that Aaron Condren made for me with as little, you know, physical writing as possible, like meat for dinner. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> the dinner portion, the ideal was whoever was there could figure out what to make for dinner, whether it was me or my husband or a babysitter or whatever. That was the idea for dinner. Like if it was mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, I wrote that down because I wanted whoever was there that night to know that that's what the plan was. So that was my time management piece from a family perspective. That sort of helped me tame the chaos because then everybody who walked in that kitchen knew who was where and when they were supposed to be. Oh, because I also put mine and my husband's schedules. So if he was traveling or I was at work late or I had a meeting after work, something they knew. So again, their babysitter, there were years where their babysitter picked them up from school every single day. So they didn't need to know where I was necessarily, but it was on there. If they needed to know like, oh, tonight she's home at five, but tomorrow she's not home until seven. They knew that stuff was happening. It was for me too, but also everybody who walked in knew what was going on, including my husband, who sometimes would come home and be like, oh, I guess I'm in charge of dinner because it says mom out till seven. <laughs> so that was our time management piece. I know people who've used Google calendars. I could never get my family on board with that. I had a Google Calendar set up. I had Cozy. I've tried it all and nobody, myself included, was great at like inputting their stuff in there. I personally still use a Google Calendar and a paper calendar. And for the most part, I do that Erin Condren thing. Still, I only have one at home and I got to be honest, I'm not nearly as good at it as I used to be. But I find that on weeks where I'm feeling really good, it's because I've sat down and done that dumb calendar. And he, even though there's only one of them here, he knows, okay, where are they? Where am I? You know, like I'm still driving. So I need to know when do I need to pick up from this sports practice or when do I need to do, you know, the tech week for the play is this week. So I don't need to make real dinners because it's not, you know, nobody's home. I still do it. Is my point? Probably when he goes to college, I'm going to stop with the weekly planner. I don't think my husband and I need a meal plan on our kitchen counter anymore or kitchen thing anymore, but it has helped. And I notice when I get out of doing it, out of the routine of doing it, because I only have one kid at home, it's difficult for me. The weeks are harder for me. So it still makes a difference. And then I also have another tool. I told you I use a Google calendar, my work, private practice work. I have a calendar as part of that computer system that runs my private practice. And I have a paper calendar and I will probably have a paper calendar until I die because I just like the act of writing things down. If you're watching this as a video, you see me keep glancing off. It's because I've written out everything I'm talking to you guys about because it doesn't mean anything to me if I don't write it first. So I will always have a paper calendar because I know, because I have that awareness of myself and what works for me. The problem is it took me like 50 years to find right paper calendar, but I'm finally there and I'll show it to you if you're watching. This is my 90 day. It's called my next 90 days. It's by a company called Saver Beauty. Angela Gia Kim is a woman who owns this. I wasn't planning on plugging this, but now I'm going to, cause I love her. She's a woman who I think owns like a, a string of like skincare and not even cosmetics, just like body care, skincare stores in Manhattan. I'm pretty sure. I met her a billion years ago through a networking group and she probably doesn't even remember. <laughs> I met her through a networking group in the city when I was fairly new to the area. And she then started her own networking organization as an offshoot of her store called Saver Beauty, I think, or something. Anyway, long story short, she has these calendars. I come back to them all the time. I try to get away from them because they're quarterly, obviously, my next 90 days. And for a while, I thought, oh, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. 
And it didn't when I didn't have an alternative for the year, especially when you have kids in school, sometimes you need to see a whole year at a time. I am currently pointing to, if you're watching, a paper calendar on my desk, also Erin Condren, just because it's the right size. You can get them anywhere, but hers, she happens to make the right size that I use for the year. So I put, you know, school breaks and vacations and all of the things for the year. And then the 90 days is really for me, like a productivity thing. I, because the beautiful part of this planner, and I don't want to show you the inside, so I won't because I have things in there that you can't see. Every week is broken out too. There's like an intentions list or like just a journal page really. And then a bulleted like brain dump list. I mean, I swear, I think she's in my head when she created this thing. Because for me, what works from a time management perspective is just to be like, here's all the things I have to do. <laughs> and then I flip it over. And so I have this like, oh, here's what I want this week. Here's my intentions. Here's my journal page. Here's my list of like, I just threw up my brain all over the list. And then I flip over and it's a week at a glance with like a morning box, an intention. She has names for them and I can't remember what they are, but it's basically like, you know, eat the frog, those kind of silly things. I don't even pay attention to that. That'll tell you I've been using this planner for so many years, but it's basically broken into two boxes. And then you have a big chunk where you can put your day like appointments. And then at the very bottom, there's another couple little lines. You can use it for whatever you want. That's where my meal plan goes for me personally. So I remember at the end of my workday, oh, I got to get home and cook or I got to get home and heat up chicken nuggets. <laughs> One of the others. In the morning, I'll put like, what do I want to do before work time? So if it's yoga or spin class or something like that, what am I doing? Am I walking the dog? Those kind of things. And again, Sunday night, I sit down and I do the family one and I do my own personal one, including like I take the monthly calendar and I plug in like, when are my appointments this week? What do I have to get done this week? When am I going to do that? Because I needed to be able to, I could just make a list and then I would literally never check anything off. <laughs> so I put things in like appointments in my date book so that I know this is when I'm doing laundry. This is when I'm doing my taxes. You can tell what time of year it is. This is when I'm recording the podcast. This is when I'm writing what I'm going to record on the podcast. You know, I break it down into these little bite-sized chunks because for me, I would be the queen of here's the list of 10 things I need to do. And each one of those things would have like five subcategories and I wouldn't write them down. And so then I would get to the end of the week and be like, I either feel like I didn't do anything when I really did, or I wouldn't do anything because the big goal was what was on my list, not the five sub things that had to go on there. So I've learned again, with that awareness, what do I need to feel calm and to feel productive and to feel like I have some management of this chaos. And it's both a family thing and a personal thing. And how do I manage them both? What tools do I use? And that's the Erin Condren calendar, the Savvy Beauty or the Saver Beauty calendar, whatever weekly planner, I still have a Google calendar and I have the electronic medical record on my phone also that gives me, you know, don't worry, it's all HIPAA compliant. <laughs> that gives me appointment blocks out on my calendar too. So I have it digitally, I have it in paper. And then the family has a paper one that they see of where we all are and where we're going. So there's kind of two things when it comes taming the chaos. There's a time tame and there's a space tame. And in both cases, it's really important that you know, well, what is going to make me feel good here or feel safe here? Because you're never going to fully feel at peace when all this is happening in your life. How can you feel most peaceful and what works for your nervous system to feel safe and calm? Those are the important pieces for you to know. And once you have that awareness, then all the rest of it, you don't need to look, you don't need to look to somebody else to tell you how to do that. Once you know what you need, then you can look on Pinterest and all the cute places for ideas. 
but you know what needs to happen to make you feel good. Without that, none of the Pinterest boards matter. So start with yourself, as always, <laughs> and figure out what is it that I need my space to look like and how do I need to have management over this time to feel good and peaceful. Do you need that Sunday hour carved out where you can do some planning? Okay, how are you going to make that happen? Do you work late Wednesday night or you have a babysitter Wednesday night and you go to the gym, but also there's this extra half hour. Can you use that for something? Like look at your own space, time and availability and see what you need and then see how you can make it happen. And then you'll have some control over that chaos and it'll feel really good. All right. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Thanks for asking all the tough questions. And remember, no matter how many times you ask it, I'm always going to answer no to the question, am I a bad mom? Thanks. There's more coming, I promise. Hey, listener. If you appreciate what you get here as far as support and camaraderie and feeling like you're not alone, then I think you should really check out the Women of Wonder community that I run. It is exactly that. It is a community full of support and camaraderie and you are not aloneness. It is meant to replace the old fashioned Facebook groups that we used to love before it got so mean and snarky and Facebooky. It is a place where you can ask the questions you have, where you can share the joys and share the sorrows and expect a supportive response, non-judgmental response. We meet weekly via Zoom. So we have people from all over the world that come and join us. And there are other supports like newsletters and uh, message boards and all of the things that you can and want and need in your life to provide you that support and scaffolding to help do this job we call motherhood. Check it out on my website, wonderinkwellness.com. It's called the Women of Wonder Community. And you can sign up today and get two months free if you do a year subscription. If you have any questions, again, always send me an email, but I would love to see you inside. Okay, on this week's me time, I will link to all the in the show notes, I will link to all the, the tools I talked about for time management and all of that stuff. But I didn't want to put that in the me time section, because please, a calendar is not something that makes me excited. <laughs> you would never know that by the money that I've spent on planners, but still. So really, what I want to talk about this week was two things. One, and it's because they're making me so happy. And they kind of have to do with the routine piece of what we talked about today. But the one is this is not new to most people probably, but I'll tell you sort of how we're utilizing it. That's been great fun. The New York Times app, games app, I should be clear, the New York Times games app. So everybody knows Wordle. It's not new. Wordle also on the New York Times games app is something called Connections, which is fairly new. Maybe, maybe it was around last school year. I can't remember, but it's like a list of 16 words and you have to make four categories of them. You have to figure out how they're connected into four separate categories. And I have loved it since the minute I discovered it. And my kids started playing it too. And so we share our scores and sometimes share like our thoughts on how the puzzle <laughs> shook out and why it's annoying. But also part of that New York Times app is a game, is a, is a mini New York Times crossword puzzle. If you've ever heard of, when people talk about the Sunday crossword puzzle, they're usually talking about the one in the New York Times because I know maybe that's obnoxious and East Coasty of me. I guess I don't know what they're normally talking about. In my world, they're usually talking about the New York Times crossword puzzle because it's sort of like held up as the crossword puzzle. That said, they have something called a mini, which is like, I don't know, 10 clues, maybe not even, I don't know. It's tiny. It's a tiny puzzle. 
And I don't think I ever did it because the New York Times cross proposal is super intimidating to me. So it never even occurred to me to try the mini. And then my youngest started sending me text messages which would be like, I did the mini in 47 seconds. I did the mini in 49 seconds. I did the mini in 52 seconds. I did the mini in one minute and 39 seconds, whatever. So I was like, what is, how, what is he doing? <laughs> like what kind of cheat code? Or is this mini crossword puzzle like two clues? Let me check it out because there's no way this kid is doing this in 47 seconds. So of course I did one and it took me like four minutes and 30 minutes. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. I think it took me like two minutes. The first one I ever did took me like 239 or something. And I'm like, what is he doing that I, what is he doing? How is he doing it in 47 seconds? Now, mind you, this kid has a brain that I have never had the privilege of having. Like he solves the Rubik's cubes in under 30 seconds. He and when I say cubes, I mean multiple different variations of the Rubik's Cube. He went to a Rubik's Cube competition once. Like, he has a puzzle-solving mind. I think I do, but not when it comes to crosswords. Anyway, long story short, he started sending me these things. I started doing it because I was like, I got to get anywhere near him. I'm nowhere near it. Still no. I have every once in a while. So the whole family's since gotten involved. And every once in a while, one of us will have a decent day. And we call it by his name. <laughs> More like we had a whatever day. Look, here's our score. We had a whatever day because we so infrequently get anywhere near to what he gets. But the reason I'm talking about this is not only the puzzles are fun, but that interaction with them has been such great fun, like chatting about it or just even sending it as a text. I'll get, you know, my two of my kids don't even live here anymore, but occasionally I'll get a text from one of them about their mini or their connections or something. And it's just a fun way for us to st stay connected to one another. And I, as a New Year's kind of resolution, even though I'm not really a resolutioner, it was sort of like a, like at the end of December, I started realizing I was very unhealthily using social media and also this other game on my phone. Like it had a very addictive quality to it. And so I have removed it from, <laughs> you're going to laugh. <laughs> this is revealing a lot about me. I have removed the social media apps from the home screen of my phone. I have not removed them from my phone it takes me a little bit of time to get there. Partially, I will blame business for that. You know, I have a podcast, I have a practice, I have a group that I run, I have things where people need to know what's happening from a social media perspective, and I need to know what's happening. And I need to put things on social media. But partially, it's personal, like I was like, not really ready to get rid of it completely. But I moved it off of something that it could be just a knee jerk click of my thumb reaction. So I'm off them way more. Like, significantly less time during the day do I spend on social. And part of that then wasn't replaced with the New York Times, but like I now have more time to do them. <laughs> like I wasn't doing the Wordle and all of that stuff before because I was like scrolling Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or whatever. And so now I have more like I, when I pick up my phone, because it's still a habit, when I pick up my phone to do something, I'm like, oh, good. I have a mini or I have connections or I never got time to do this or whatever. Or I get the text from my kids and I'm like, oh, I haven't done it today. So it's been good for my brain and it's been good to have them. It's been a good connection point with them too. So that was a very long-winded way of saying the New York Times puzzle games <laughs> are what I'm noticing this week. The other thing I want to talk about is over the holiday season, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this is probably aware, especially if you have middle school to high school age children, the UGG I think they're called Tasman slippers. Slippers were like sold out everywhere in the whole wide world. I didn't know this at the time because I don't have a child that asked for them. So I was not paying attention to them. I did, however, get a 
note from Nordstrom because I have a Nordstrom, like a defunct Nordstrom credit card, but I still get their emails. And I had a um, Nordstrom tell me that these Ugg slippers were back in stock and they were super duper reduced. And I was like, ooh, I actually need new slippers. And I know from experience that I really like Ugg slippers because they're warm without making my feet sweat, which sometimes the less expensive ones make my feet gross. So long story short, I got these slippers. They were not the ones that everybody wants, <laughs> but you can't really wear them. You can wear them outdoors. They have a hard sole, but they have like a big fur thing over the top. And so it's not like you want to wear them with like your jeans to, you know, go to the store or whatever. But they're great. But they led me down the rabbit hole of these Tasman slippers. And so I wanted to talk about a company called Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E. Again, nobody's telling me to do this. It's just that I happened to see them on a couple people. And I was like, oh, you got the slippers? And they were like, no, I got these dupes from Quince for like a fraction of the cost. So I just wanted to say, I'm noticing that this week. I don't even own the slippers, but I have seen them. They look good. People tell me that they feel good. <laughs> and so check them out on Quince, the website. There's also some Amazon dupes too, but I can't vouch for any of those because I haven't seen or talked to anybody to tell me if they're okay. But the Quince ones, I've talked to a few people who've been like, oh, I got them on this website and they're pretty cheap and they look exactly like the Ugg ones, if that matters to you. And supposedly they feel just as good as them too. So that's all I got for you today. Some New York Times puzzles, some knockoff slippers, <laughs> have at it. Or you can get mine, which are the other Uggs from Nordstrom, they were down to like 59 bucks or something. They were, you know, there's some ridiculous costs. Like I think they're like 130 or $140, which is dumb, I think. But these were not because they were re greatly reduced, probably because they weren't the hot ones for the season, but they're awesome. I'm currently wearing them. <laughs> so I uh, highly recommend them. They've been great as we have a new puppy in our house and we have to go outside every seven seconds. It feels like it's nice to have slippers that have a hard sole on them. So I don't, I'm not wrecking them in the backyard. All right, that's all I got. Play some games, wear some fuzzy slippers. It's that season of the year. All right, take care, everybody. If you have a moment, we would really appreciate a, a review or share this episode with your friends. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you heard something today that made you feel better about your parenting and about yourself. Remember, if you have a moment, we would love a review. It helps more people to hear about us. If you like the episode, share it with your friends. And of course, subscribe so that you know when it's going to drop every single week. Thanks again. Until next time, keep asking those same questions and know that the answer to am I a bad mom is always no. Oh,